Our scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis, and it's a bit long, so settle in. The man said, I am Abraham's servant. God has richly blessed my master, has made him a great man, and has given him flocks, cattle, silver, gold, men servants, women servants, camels, and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, gave birth to a son for my master in her old age, and he's given him everything he owns. My master made me give him my word. Don't choose a wife for my son from the Canaanite women in whose land I'm living. No, instead go to my father's household and to my relatives and choose a wife for my son. Today I arrived at the spring and I said, Lord God of my master Abraham, if you wish to make the trip I'm taking successful, when I'm standing by the spring and the young woman who comes out to draw water and to whom I say, please give me a little drink of water from your jar, and she responds to me, drink, and I will draw water for your camels too. May she be the woman the Lord has selected for my master's son. Before I finished saying this to myself, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder and went down to the spring to draw water. And I said to her, please give me something to drink. She immediately lowered her water jar and said, drink, and I will give your camels something to drink too. So I drank, and she also gave water to the camels. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore him. I put a ring in her nose and bracelets on her arms. I bowed and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led me in the right direction to choose the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you're loyal and faithful to my master, tell me. If not, tell me, so I will know where I stand either way. They called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent off their sister Rebecca, her nurse, Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebecca, saying to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of ten thousand. May your children possess their enemies' cities. Rebecca and her young women got up, mounted the camels, and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now Isaac had come from the region of Beer Lahai Roy and had settled in the arid southern plain. One evening, Isaac went out to inspect the pasture, and while staring, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca stared at Isaac. She got down from the camel and said to the servant, who is this man walking through the pasture to meet us? The servant said, he's my master. So she took her headscarf and covered herself. The servant told Isaac everything that had happened. Isaac brought Rebecca into his mother Sarah's tent. He received Rebecca as his wife and loved her. So Isaac found comfort after his mother's death. The word of, the God, of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our sermon today is the seventh in a series we're calling Sacred Community. And definitions of sacred include devoted, set apart for the divine, or for a spiritual or religious purpose. We can think of sacred community then as those journeying together with God 
and striving to keep God and God's goodwill at the center of life. Our sermons in this series have been drawing from the book of Genesis and the stories of our faith ancestors, primarily the family begun through Abraham and Sarah, with whom God made an everlasting covenant to be their one true God and for them to be God's beloved people, a sacred community. As we journey with this family, we've been asking, what are the marks of sacred community? And what do these marks reveal about God, about us as God's people, and about the relationship between God and people and creation? And some of the marks of sacred community we have explored together include hospitality, brokenness, laughter, healing, imagination, a willingness to change one's mind. Today we look at the story of another of our faith ancestors, a matriarch of this family of the covenant named Rebecca. And we'll consider what her story reveals to us about sacred community. And as we journey together in this sermon, I invite you to listen with the ears of your heart for what words or phrases stand out to you. What speaks to you about what sacred community is? So let us be open to the movement of the Spirit, and let us pray. Holy One, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The story of Rebecca's marriage into the family of the covenant is found in chapter 4 of Genesis, which is the longest chapter in the whole book. So yes, Rebecca has a lot to tell us about the marks of sacred community. 67 verses unfold this story for us. But first, a brief background, some context many of us have heard before, but just in case, it's good to remember. In Genesis 15, we find the origin of the covenant that God made with Abraham and Sarah, where one night God took Abraham outside under the sky and said, look up at the stars and count them if you can, Abraham. So shall the number of your descendants be, really, that many. And to a couple like Abraham and Sarah, still barren after years of marriage, in a time and culture where children and descendants meant everything, this was an invitation to trust in the unfathomable. But God promised they would have their own child, and in their very old age, Sarah conceived and bore their son Isaac. And now here in chapter 24, Sarah has just died. Abraham, too, is facing his own death, and mindful of God's blessing that he would be the father of a nation of multitudes, he needed to be sure that Isaac found a wife, the right wife, so that their family could continue through his and Sarah's line. Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac were living in the land of Canaan, a land not of Abraham's birth. And Abraham insisted that Isaac, Isaac's wife come from his original homeland. So he sent his servant to the city of Nahor with some of Abraham's great wealth. 
With this servant, ten camels traveled and other helpers and the choices of gifts of silver and gold. And we're told when the servant arrived at the city, he remained just outside near the well where he knew that the young women of the city would be coming as it was nearing evening to be drawing water. He had the camels kneel down and he looked up and there indeed was a girl coming toward the well. And this servant prayed to God the Almighty. God of my master Abraham, make something good happen for me today, he prayed. And show your loyalty to my master Abraham. And he said to God, I will stand here and wait for the daughters of this city to come. And may the woman to whom I ask for a drink say, drink. And let that be a sign that this is the one for Isaac. And this young woman named Rebecca came to the well. The servant ran to meet her and asked for that sip of water. And Rebecca did indeed say, drink. And not only that, she said, and let me water your camels too. Was this trip a success already? This servant is wondering. And what are we learning about Rebecca here? The text tells us she was very beautiful, but she was also very strong, freakishly strong according to this story if we consider the original Hebrew. We also will see some Jewish humor. As Old Testament scholars point out, camels can drink from 20 to 30 gallons of water in 10 minutes. In Rebecca's offer to satisfy the thirst of 10 camels, that have just completed a desert crossing. She's offering to fetch two to 300 gallons of water by herself, seemingly. Rebecca has shown great kindness, great strength, and great generosity. Marks of sacred community, perhaps. The servant speaks to Rebecca again, please tell me whose daughter you are. And is there any room in your family home for us to spend the night? Rebecca responds, sharing that she is the granddaughter of Milka, which literally means queen. Rebecca's telling us she's coming from a matriarchal family. And Milka is the wife of Nahor. And she says, we have plenty of room and also lots of straw for your camels. All of you may spend the night. The servant is overjoyed and bows down and bursts into prayer, praising God for making his trip a success. For Nahor was Abraham's very brother. Rebecca, indeed, is from Abraham's family and household. Abraham gifted Rebecca precious gold, a nose ring, and bracelets. And he explained his mission to her, that she was fulfilling this wish and, and goal of Abraham to find a wife for his son Isaac and that she was the one to be this wife. Rebecca was amazed and she led him and all of those with him to her home and explained everything to those in her mother's household. Now this is a time and culture where arranged marriages were customary and it was the duty of the males in the household, often the brothers, to oversee the marriages of their sisters, of the women in the family. 
When Rebecca's brother Laban heard this story of this man from a far-off land coming and saw the fancy jewelry adorning her sister's, his sister's body, he came out immediately to speak to Abraham and Abraham's servant who confirmed this story that Rebecca had told. And he recounted God's faithfulness to Abraham and Sarah. And the servant told all the blessings that God had bestowed for them over the years. And now this blessing in Rebecca to be a wife for Isaac. In the next morning, Rebecca's mother and brother said, let Rebecca stay a little longer here at home. Not more than 10 days though, and then she may go with you. But the servant pleaded with them that they don't delay him, for he was anxious to return with this good news to his master Abraham. And Rebecca's family said, well, let's ask Rebecca her opinion. And Rebecca replied, I will go. And they prepared and they departed. A young woman or any woman at that time had very little agency in the patriarchal world such as it was. But it seems that Rebecca did have some choice within her family. She was given the chance to decide the timing of her departure, if nothing else. And she courageously chose not to delay, but set out right away with this stranger to a strange land, to a man she had never met, to enter into the covenant of marriage. Kind, generous, courageous, and also a woman of individuality and vitality. This was Rebecca. And in this chapter, we are told through the scholars that the verb for to go appears seven times about Rebecca here. And seven in the Bible is a number used for emphasis. It's meant to tell us this is important. Rebecca is a woman on the move. She runs, she draws water, she fills jars, she rides a camel, and then she departs without delay. But before Rebecca leaves home with her nurse and Abraham's servants and his men, Rebecca's family bestows upon her a blessing that parallels the blessing Abraham himself received from God. Again, a young woman in this culture receiving a blessing from the menfolk in that matriarchal household. They say, may you, our sister, become thousands of 10,000. And she will. Rebecca will be a matriarch along with Sarah the mother, and the mother of the twins Jacob and Esau, the mother of a multitude of descendants that will follow them. Well, having departed Nahor, they approach the land where Isaac lives. Isaac spots this entourage and gets up and heads toward them, and he's staring. And Rebecca spots Isaac, and she stares back. And then, with more Jewish humor emphasizing here, the text literally says that Rebecca didn't just quickly slip off her camel, but literally she fell off her camel. And the servant led her to Isaac and told Isaac everything that happened. Isaac, we're told, then took Rebekah into his tent, consummated their marriage, 
And we are told he loved her. As professor of Old Testament, Schiffendecker points out, again, in this culture, love was not considered a necessary ingredient in a marriage. But it seems that God was generous, offered this blessing, and provided a wife and a husband in Rebecca and Isaac that contained love from the start. Rebecca, in fact, is the first woman, woman in the Old Testament scriptures for whom marital love is proclaimed. So what does this story tell us about sacred community? We see attributes of it. We see those seeking to follow God's voice, to listen for God's plan for blessing, and to do their part to live faithfully in carrying out that plan. Rebecca demonstrates those marks of courage, spirit, generosity, and we can imagine the faith she also expressed to trust that her big yes to this big invitation or event in her life, that as she said yes, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca would be with her as well. But I want to share something I see as a mark of sacred community. It seems that in sacred communities, we get to tell fish stories. Have you ever told one of those? A real fish story, perhaps, where you were fishing and you, the big one got away, and you went home and told about it, and every time you talked about it, the size of that fish and the drama of the struggle got bigger because it was so exciting or so disappointing or the almost happened. Or maybe it's about the one you kept and every time you tell it, this, the fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger. This is the nature of what we call fish stories. It, we add emphasis to the experience because you had to be there to fully understand. And we just can't talk about it unless we're emphasizing. And it seems to me in sacred communities, those of our faith ancestors, they are telling their own fish stories over and over throughout the scriptures about what God has done, is promising to do, and is going to do. How God blesses, supports, sustains with generosity, kindness, and big surprise. Biblical scholar Miguel de la Torre reminds us that the book of Genesis spans 2000, over 2,000 years worth of stories. And he invites us to read Genesis as testimony rather than as history, to consider it a book of testimonies by various authors with their respective memories and their respective agendas about what they can't wait to tell about what God has done and is promising to do. They cannot wait to tell their own fish stories. These were people who were seeking meaning to what was going on in their own lives and in the world around them. And these are the stories we read today as people of faith. They write down what is beautiful and ugly, wonderful and terrible, faithful and faithless, and ask, where is God in all of it? We discover, as in the story today, 
celebration of God's faithfulness and blessing with these big stories that get embellished, perhaps. The story of Rebecca with her kindness, generosity, courage, successfully satisfying the thirst of those camels, lugging hundreds of gallons of water, the intentional use of the number seven to describe her actions. We read how she was indeed a person in God's plan to carry it out with all of her activity, her vitality. And we see this particular promise of God unfold as she and Isaac stared at one another and are led to one another into marriage. So friends, I invite us to consider in our own lives, what are the fish stories we have? Maybe the literal ones, but to look around at our past, at the lives of those we love, at what's going on right now. And where do we see the God of the covenant at work in our lives? Where do we experience wonderful surprises? These stories that overwhelm us with awe and wonder, and we can't fully explain it with words. They're so unlikely. Or where have we experienced gratitude for being so humbled to be blessed in surprising ways that we never could have dreamed up? Or where have we experienced great comfort and assurance for having experienced the presence of God in a profound way, unexplainable, but in a way that the goosebumps on our skin or the sudden deep peace in our heart and soul testify to the mystery of the God who says, I am with you always. It seems to me the biblical witness, such like this testimony of Rebecca, invite us and even call us to tell our own fish stories in order to convey the unconveyable about our creator God. The God who made covenant with our faith ancestors and who makes covenant with us still, who begins with love, is with us in love, and whose final word will always be love. The last verse of our opening hymn speaks to this call and invitation to tell our stories. It says, we too should be voicing our love and rejoicing with glad adoration a song let us raise till all things now living unite in thanksgiving to God in the highest hosanna and praise. Friends, may we remember we are part of this story, this book of wonderful stories and memories meant to convey that God is love forever and always, and we're part of that. May this bring us peace and hope. Amen.